you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everybody. It is Wednesday, February 5th, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're already mock drafting for next season. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio, Ryan Dennis, on the controls today, and uh, I, where I start, uh, happy post Valentine's Day, happy post Super Bowl. Uh, you have you have finished the move, I presume, into your new place. Uh, it's it's a new month, new life, new you. How how is everything? <laughs> everything is good. Uh, definitely have finished the move in the sense that like all of or like ninety nine percent of the stuff is out of my old place and in the new place. Um, very much so not done unpacking or anything like that. So uh, that, that'll that be fun. But happy Valentine's Day to you, man. You you know how to celebrate it. Your night, I was envious of what you were doing last night. So I, for everybody who, who doesn't know, which probably most of you, um, I one, I, I married over my head. And uh, my <laughs> wife, through some coworkers and connections, was able for Valentine's Day to get us tickets for Warriors Clippers at Staples Center. I'm not calling it by its current name. It is Staples Center. Um, not only did we get tickets, though, we were on the floor, on the baseline, second row, uh, just behind Clippers owner Steve Ballmer. So uh, I don't I don't flex very often, but this is a, a chance for me to flex because my wife was awesome and uh, hooked us up with an absolutely great day. So we had a fun night. Uh, wish the dubs could have pulled off the win, but whatever. That part doesn't matter as much. Uh, it was a good night. It was a lot of fun that night. Absolutely. In the meantime, we got stuff to talk about. I know the, the the NFL season is officially over. At least the playing portion of the season is over. We'll get to the player acquisition part of the season uh, down the road a little bit. But we'll talk about also some of the coaching changes because the coaching carousel is spinning and really impacted one of the two teams that played in the Super Bowl on Sunday. But Let's begin with what happened at State Farm Stadium in Glendale. Super Bowl 57, the Kansas City Chiefs are once again the champions of the National Football League. A 38-35 victory on a late field goal by Harrison Butker. That was the difference in the game. But when you look at this thing from a whole, I guess first off, did you enjoy the game? But more importantly, was there anything about it that, that kind of took you by surprise when you watched that game? Uh, yes to both of those questions. I, I think the ending be damned. I think that the Super Bowl was the best game of the season. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we had we had the two best teams going at it. The, the two best quarterbacks that played the, the best this season doing their thing. I, I thought it lived up to the hype and then some. Uh, my biggest surprise, though, was the Eagles defense folding like a cheap tent in the second <laughs> half. Like this is if you've listen to the podcast or follow me or anything. You know, I've been very, very high on this Eagles defense since the beginning of the year, drafted them in a bunch of leagues and stuff. Was very bullish on them, and they looked like arguably the best. Outs- it was them or the Niners all year long for best defense in the NFL, in my opinion. And the strength was their secondary. Uh, and they had 
more sacks than anyone by far this season. They didn't touch Patrick Mahomes. Their secondary got torched in the second half. They couldn't stop the run. Like, they made no adjustments in that second half, and the Chiefs did everything right. And I know we can say the ending and all of that. If the Eagles' defense plays like the Eagles' defense in the second half, or even anywhere close to the Eagles' defense, the ending of the game doesn't happen because the Eagles are probably up by over a touchdown, or at least a touchdown. What to that point, and you know, when you you talk to a lot of people, a lot of really smart football people, uh, people who talk about schemes and watch film, they will always talk about the importance of using motion in an offense and the different ways of using motion, whether it is to sort of help your offense in terms of getting your wide receivers a running start and letting them kind of get some momentum as they get to the line of scrimmage, physical momentum in case Patrick Claibon is listening, not some sort of mythical <laughs> on-field momentum, like actual physical, you know, mass times acceleration sort of a momentum. Um, or you can use it to kind of get some clues about what the defense is doing. And the one thing that a lot of folks kept hitting over and over on Monday and Tuesday was the fact that the Chiefs found something during their film study leading up to the game and used it to their advantage in the second half. They had a couple of wide-open touchdowns, the one to Kadarius Toney, uh, and then they ran the same play basically on the other side to get the touchdown to Sky Moore, and they found something in that defense where just using that jet sweep motion caused the Eagles to shift in the secondary and allowed them to kind of use a little bit of a head fake and get guys wide open. And if I remember right, it was something they saw earlier in the year that the Jaguars had done. And I think it was Jamal Agnew that that pulled off that similar move and scored a touchdown for the Jags against Philadelphia. And so maybe that, that was a surprise to me that somehow in the months between playing the Jaguars and getting to Kansas City that they hadn't figured that out and look I, I can't say that I have watched every single play of every single Eagles game I don't know if anybody else sort of did that or had found that little wrinkle against them but not only did it happen once it happened to them twice and maybe to me that's sort of the biggest surprise is that they sort of had that big breakdown the other thing that surprised me Mike was how ineffective the Eagles run game was because that had been such a big part of their success all year long we had always talked about how they were so good at doing whatever was necessary to win when they needed to throw it they were able to throw it well when people took away the passing option they ran the ball effectively it looked early on as though the Chiefs were intent on taking away the run option now Miles Sanders apparently got hurt there wasn't much talk about it but he left the game for a while kind of came back was not a big factor in the ball game at all but the Eagles just really couldn't run. Jalen Hurts had a decent game on the ground, but that was it. After that, nothing was available to them. And I really felt like this was a team that, yes, they could throw the ball effectively, but the run game was so much a part of their DNA. And Kansas City took that away. I mean, Mike, I know that the Chiefs' run defense wasn't terrible, but it obviously wasn't the strength of their team. But I got to give them credit uh, for what they were able to do because they they really neutralized it. And for the most part, I felt like they were able to make the Eagles sort of a one-dimensional team for most of the night. Yeah, I, I agree. And if the Eagles had any chance of having success on the ground, it was with Jalen Hurts. And even in the second half, they did a good job of bottling him up as well and closing his running lanes. And I know producer Hytham wrote it in the chat, and I know a lot of people have pointed this out about the turf and that it was slippery and it had an impact. 
it really feels like it impacted one team more than the other. And to <laughs> me, when that's the case, I just think it's that the other team was better. Like the, the Chiefs were better prepared. Uh, they, they like and and going back to your point, the turf had no impact at all on those two second half touchdowns because they were wide open. No one else on the camera shot with Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. To me, that is where team good coaches come through and shine because in the regular season, the Chiefs, the Eagles, those high end teams, they're going to bully most teams because they're just more talented. To me, though, when talent meets talent, and I think you can make the case that this were if not the two most talented teams, two of the most talented teams in the NFL. When teams like that match, the better coach is usually going to win, in my opinion, because the teams are so evenly matched. And Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches of all time. He found a wrinkle going back months watching a game that no offense to Nick Sirianni and the Eagles Co., I'm not taking anything away from them. They were great this year. They just, they didn't find a weakness like, like the Chiefs did. And it's something that you know, I, I not to bring it back to, to Bills like I do a lot, but like when the Bills <laughs> lost, I was like, they got out coached. Like they're not a worse talented team. They just got out coached. And I think that's the case a lot of the times when these two when when two uber talented teams meet up. You know, I, I know there's always been talk about Andy Reid and how great he has been throughout his career after the bye. Basically, he had two weeks to sort of get ready for Philadelphia and come up with some things and, and figure it out. And I'll even give them credit for what they did sort of changing from what they did in the first half to what they did in the second half because they started using more of that motion. They started kind of figuring things out uh, with the Eagles defense and finding ways to kind of pick them apart and making plays. Then, of course, it also helps to have arguably the best player on the planet right now, certainly the best quarterback in the league uh, in Patrick Mahomes and the best tight end in the league. But we saw in the second half, like, a lot more Juju Smith-Schuster. We saw Kadarius Toney, Sky Moore, all these other pieces get involved and really make an impact for the Chiefs. So I think you're right. I think in the end, when it was all said and done, the most deserving team won. And, you know, kudos to Andy Reid and his coaching staff for coming up with a great game plan, figuring out how to sort of pick apart what their opponent was doing and pull out a win. Um, you know, look, the Eagles... I'm not going to say they're going to be back. I'm not going to guarantee that because you never know. But they are in a great position to be competitive for a while. They have a lot of talent. Uh, Nick Sirianni is a very good head coach. So they are positioned to certainly be in the mix for the foreseeable future. It just turned out that Sunday uh, was not was not their day. Looking ahead, though, kind of because what we do is, is fantasy football. We do fake football here. And you tweeted on, I guess it was Monday, uh, about Josh Allen and <laughs> kind of going through everything that, that Allen went through this year and, and all the metrics and that sort of thing. And you basically finished it by saying, I don't care what happened. Josh Allen is my QB1 next year. And I don't think you're alone. I think for most people, and I've done a couple of mock drafts, maybe not as many as I, I would hope to so far this season, but telling myself it's only February. Um, in the mock drafts I have seen, Josh Allen is the first quarterback going off the board. So that leads me to who is your QB two? Because I feel like that person probably played in this game on Sunday, Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. Josh Allen's off the board. You didn't get to him. Who's the next quarterback you're reaching for? As of today, uh, February 15th, again, a lot could change between now and August. Uh, <laughs> as of today, it is Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah. Because I, I love Jalen Hurts, and I was super bullish on him the last two years in fantasy. But and, and like I had him ahead of Mahomes last year. He was my QB three coming into the season. 
But and that's probably what he's going to be right now. I mean, he's definitely in the top three. And I continue to say you could put these top three in any order, and I won't really give you much pushback. But Mahomes is still going to be tied to Andy Reid. He's still going to have Travis Kelsey. Hurts uh, is still going to have A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. But right now, who's going to be their O.C.? They just lost him. Many pieces of that offensive line are set to become free agents. This is a really, really big offseason for the Eagles because they're going to extend Jalen Hurts and then they're going to have to make tough decisions on who they want to bring back and who they want to let walk. Um, So as of right now, with there being so many unknowns around what that Philly team might look like, I am I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. He's as safe as it gets. And and real quick for anyone listening, like, why is Josh Allen the one? My only point was. He was the QB1 for the two seasons prior. He was the QB1 for the first half of the season on pace to shatter the QB scoring record until he got injured. So I'm willing to give him a mulligan for the second half of the season. If you're not and you want to take one of these two ahead of him, you're not going to hear much of a of an argument from me because I think these three should be the top three in any order. And Marcus, I, I'm doing a slow best ball draft right now. They mm-hmm. all went in the second round all in the top 20 picks, and I tweeted about it, and the responses are like, wow, they made it to the second round, and my draft, this guy went in the first round. I think it's finally happening. Are we going to get first-round quarterbacks this year? This is the year it's it's actually... And I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised in best ball drafts, because I think especially this time of year when you're looking at best ball drafts, this is the time when people are sort of testing out theories and getting a little bit weird. I mean, I, I've talked to people who've who have gone Travis Kelsey at the 101. Uh, I think you're going to see first-round quarterbacks because you can sort of play with with roster builds and see how things shake out if you decide to go with a quarterback earlier, if you go with a tight end at the very top of the draft. So maybe this is the year. I've been, I have been sort of poking at it for a while. I, I will admit I have not been brave enough to actually do it, but I have been, been kicking around the idea. So maybe this is the year it, it finally happens. I... Part of me wants to say Jalen Hurts is the QB too, but but I think what I saw out of Mahomes this year, and not that I was a doubter, not that I didn't believe Patrick Mahomes could be great, but to see how effective and efficient he was with the group of pass catchers that he had, um, to, to lose a Tyreek Hill and to fill in the gaps with Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster to bring in... Uh, Kadarius Tony midway through the season to try and figure out how to integrate Sky Moore, Nicole Hardman, all these different players, and to still have the amazing season that he did, throwing for 5,200 yards, 41 touchdowns, to do that with that cast of characters cemented that he really is on track. If, if he can stay healthy and have longevity, he is on track to maybe surpass Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback we have seen in the National Football League. So that, I think, is the reason. He's not going to run for the same kind of yards that that Jalen Hurts is. But you know what? He'll get you 350, maybe 400 yards in a really good year. That ain't too bad. So that, to me, kind of gives him that that number two spot. But it's close. It's absolutely really close. Uh, you mentioned the top three. Is Who's number four? Is, is it Justin Fields? Does he crack your, your top four this year? Uh, um, I think... I think it's between Fields and Burrow for me for, mm-hmm. for the fourth spot. Um, I, I continue to say, though, I think there's eight quarterbacks. Like, after the big three, I think the second tier is Fields, Burrow, uh, in any order of Herbert, Lamar, 
and Trevor Lawrence. Like after those eight, I think there's a drop off. There's some other guys like Deshaun Watson, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, but I I think this is going to be the year where I'm emphasizing. Like maybe I don't get one of these top three if they're going in the first or second round, but I will be getting one of the next five guys and probably before the sixth round. I will tell you that I was shocked at how quickly that in the couple mock drafts I've done that the quarterbacks went because I was like I'm gonna wait until like the third round and they like, bang 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 they were gone I was like okay well <laughs> I guess I got to change up that strategy uh, I just talked about Mahomes and and how great he's been this year and in the first six seasons of his career he has been to three Super Bowls he has won two he has been two uh, he's been Super Bowl MVP twice he has two NFL MVPs. Let's just say, and not wishing it, let's just say he decides to just hang him up, right? That he never plays another down of football again after Super Bowl 57. Is Patrick Mahomes a Hall of Famer? Yes. Like, I, I <laughs> no question. He could retire right now, and he's, he's in there. In, in fact, I think, and maybe this is crazy to say, I think you can already make the case that he belongs in, like, the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. Mm. Like, uh, isn't it, like... Don't quote me on this, but it's like him, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and like one other quarterback are the only quarterbacks to have multiple league MVPs and Super Bowl MVPs. And this guy is 27 years old. Like at his (laughs) age right now, Tom Brady didn't have a single MVP, a single all-pro appearance. And like, look look at what, I mean, Mahomes is only going to get better. And I know there's people saying, like, we're going to have to see him do it without Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey eventually. It's like, okay, I was one of those people who was like, he's not doesn't have Tyreek Hill. That's going to change this offense identity and all. And then he just went out. He completely revamped his game. He said, all right, you don't want me to have the speedster guy? I'm going to break the record for short yard touchdowns. That's what he did this year. Like, he's, he's amazing. I, I will never doubt him. Uh, he is... Tom Brady's biggest competition, I would say, for the GOAT. And uh, yeah, he's he's a Hall of Famer already and one of the greatest to ever do it. I was looking yesterday at all the quarterbacks who have won two or more Super Bowls in their career. And there are, now that, now that Mahomes has won, he is the 13th, 13th quarterback to win at least two Super Bowls. And you go through, and pretty much all of them are in the Hall of Fame. The guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame most of them aren't eligible yet, right? Uh, Tom Brady, not quite eligible yet. Eli, uh, not eligible yet. Same with Ben Roethlisberger. So those guys aren't even eligible for the Hall of Fame. You know Brady's getting there. It seems like the winds are blowing for Eli to get in, and I would imagine Roethlisberger probably gets in. So you're going to have, that's going to make 11 or 12 of the 13. The only guy who has two Super Bowls, who is eligible for the Hall of Fame, who is not in, is Jim Plunkett. And I think a lot of that is the early part of his career. He was the number one overall pick uh, way back when you're 71. He was the number one overall pick for the Patriots and really struggled in the early part of his career. Uh, just kind of bounced around the league, landed with the Raiders, and they sort of resurrected him. And he ended up winning a couple of Super Bowls there. I don't know if Plunkett's ever going to get in. So he's going to be like the lone exception, I think, of guys who won two Super Bowls. And aren't in the Hall of Fame. So uh, that combined with the passing records that that Mahomes looks like he's on track to break, uh, just the overall greatness, the MVP awards, all that stuff. Yeah, I think he's 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 probably a lock even at this moment to uh, you know to get in the. I mean, unless somehow he follows up with ten years of just meh, but I, I can't. Ima- I, was I can't say, imagine that happening. 
even my it's funny you just said that because my argument was going to be like he's not retiring so we got to take that off the table even if he plays the next 10 years and is meh like we're going to look at it and say look at his stats that he's compiled because in today's game even a meh Patrick Mahomes is going to average probably around 4,000 passing yards this season at least you know somewhere like 25 touchdowns so he would compile stats good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. Then he would have multiple Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowl MVPs, and multiple league MVPs. He could not win another award if he just finishes out his career playing mediocre. I think he's a lock. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm confident saying he's in there. Now that we've gotten through this, I wanted to do a little bit of a stock watch. We kind of did it, I think, a couple of weeks ago. But I wanted to kind of do a stock watch of guys who played in the Super Bowl and uh, where where you're thinking about them or how you're feeling about them when it comes to fantasy for next season. Travis Kelsey, let's start there. We know he's going to be the first tight end off the board. That's not even an argument. The argument, though, is how high does Travis Kelsey go after what he did this season? Um, I, I think what you said earlier is the 1.01. I, I'm not saying he's going to be the consensus 1.01, but I think he will at least in some drafts, go there. I think, though, that this is going to be a season where there's not a consensus first player off the board. And mm-hmm. I, I think there'll be a consensus top six. And to me, that top six is uh, Travis Kelsey, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, and then the receivers being Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Cooper Cup. I think those will be the top six in almost every draft this year, but I could see them going in almost any order. So... I could see Kelsey going first overall. I could see him going sixth overall. I don't really see him going much later than that. And I definitely don't see him falling out of the first round. Yeah, he's definitely not going to fall out of the first round. I I think you're going to struggle to see him fall past five, I think, in a lot of drafts. I, I've seen him go as high as one overall. Um, and when you talk about the lack of a consensus, number one, I've seen Kelsey. I've seen Justin Jefferson. Uh, you know, I've seen Eckler. I mean, there's already a handful of names that are sort of circulating, and I think it's going to be like that all offseason where we're not just going to land on one guy, which I think is going to be fun. I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a discussion point because I always get sort of bored when we just sort of settle on a guy and it's March and we're just like, yep, Jonathan Taylor, that's your guy. You know, like (laughs) so that having having this discussion all year long, I think is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of of interesting things uh, to talk about. And Travis Kelsey very much in that mix. Isaiah Pacheco had a pretty nice game in the Super Bowl for Kansas City. And, you know, we had sort of been joking about his running style. He runs really hard. Doesn't seem like he's necessarily getting anywhere. But 76 rushing yards, had a touchdown, really was an impactful player. Does this change how you feel about him? Do you believe that he's going to be the guy in Kansas City's backfield next year? Or are they going to find somebody else to rotate him with? Uh, I think he'll be the lead ground guy. Um, I, I still anticipate like a Jarek McKinnon, or if it's not him, someone else coming in there to handle the bulk of the passing down duties uh, there. I know as the in the regular season, as we got later, they, they tried throwing him the ball a little bit more. But in the playoffs, we saw that like that's not what they, they believe that his role is. And I, I, I think he can be a really good ground guy. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be a team that invests in running back position very hard, so I think that leads to him being the guy. But if he's not the pass catcher as well, that still keeps him as more of a RB2 for fantasy purposes, and it makes him someone that doesn't have a a super high floor. Um, 
and could be a little bit volatile week to week. I think he'd be it, it all to me. He's one of those players that it depends on where he's going in drafts. Like if he's going as a RB two, then fine. He's a fine pick, but people seem to really love hyping this guy up. And I think that's my biggest beef with him is like, I, I don't think he's a bad player at all. I just think he gets overhyped. I, I, I think, yeah, I think he's a, he's a good player. He's fine. I don't think he's that guy. Clyde Edwards Alaire still has one more year on his deal. I don't know that they're going to pick up that fifth year option for him, but I feel like we all sort of know who CEH is at this point. I mean, he got off to a really quick start last year, scoring a lot of touchdowns, but we all sort of looked at that and was like, that's not sustainable. That's not going to keep going. Then, unfortunately for him, he ended up getting injured and missed the rest of the season. But I, I, it's obvious that the Chiefs aren't sold on him. I think it's going to continue to be a rotation. I think Pacheco will be a rotational guy. And I don't know that I would take a shot on him before the middle rounds in any sort of draft because... He's just not going to be a big part of that. The question is, you know, who's the pass catcher? Is it Jarek McKinnon? Is it somebody else? Where does Edwards Alaire slot in? Because he's not going to completely vanish, even if he's not necessarily the workhorse that once upon a time we thought he could be. Kadarius Tony, I-, I tweeted after he scored the touchdown that scream you heard was Michael Florio uh, <laughs> celebrating the Kadarius Tony touchdown. Not only did he have a big touchdown had a huge punt return that set up a touchdown very nearly had the first punt return touchdown in Super Bowl history was tackled right around the five yard line. So we saw a little bit of what he could do still didn't get a big role in the offense in the Super Bowl. Are you going to reach not? Are you how high are you going to reach for Kadarius Tony next year? As high as I got to. No, oh, <laughs> I, I, I do anticipate having him on a lot of teams because I feel like the hype this year, and I'm the guiltiest of anyone hyping him up, Um, I feel like it's it's had a reverse effect and it's pissed off a lot of people. Um, <laughs> like I've, I've seen a lot of people being like, Kadarius Tony, he's going to be overdrafted next year. He's this, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, if that's the case and you just want to let him fall down draft boards, I, I will gladly gobble him up. The thing is, I'm hopeful that an offseason with the Chiefs leads to a larger role, especially Miko Hardman's a free agent. Juju Smith-Schuster's set to be a free agent. Maybe there's just more opportunity there. Maybe a, an offseason with Andy Reid really getting to game plan around Kadarius Tony. I think that could do wonders for him. And I just anticipate him being cheaper than he was this year. In a lot of drafts this year, he was going somewhere like the 6th, 7th, 8th round. I think next year we could get Kadarius Tony in the double digits because people are going to be like, yeah, we've heard this story before. And if that's the case, it's a complete buying opportunity. But that being said, man, you would think when Kadarius Tony does something that I do something like you tweeted me, <laughs> the NFL fantasy handle tweeted me. And like the text that I get, like people are like, oh, my God, your boy. Kadarius. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not the one out there doing this. Like. It happened when he got traded to the Chiefs. Every time he has a big play in a big moment or something like that, I get at least texts from multiple people, and I'm like, I'm not Kadarius Tony or his family or anything, but thank you. <laughs> you have a brand now. Like, that's it. Uh, people, yeah. People were telling me I'm his burner account now. <laughs> I mean, you're not? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny, too, because you, I think, I-, I imagine that a lot of your rosters this year are going to have guys that people are sick of hearing about. Kadarius Tony, Kyle <laughs> Pitts. 
Uh, I'm, I'm sure if I thought about it, there's probably a couple other guys there that everybody else in the world's like, I'm not doing it again. And you're going to be like, yep, you're going to jump right back in, which I'm going to be amused by. I, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything in, wrong with it at all. I think it's amusing. In a best ball draft, I saw Kyle Pitts go in the fifth round. And even yeah. I was like, this is where he's starting out. It's going to be back into the third round come August. No, I saw it in not even in a best ball draft, just a regular redraft mock that he went in the fifth round. So. People might they might you know gripe about it. They might complain about what happened, but it seems like a lot of people are still in on Kyle Pitts. So we're not going to get that fat discount that we were hoping for after what happened last year. Um, last stock watch, Miles Sanders, who I thought was going to have a really nice game against the Kansas City run defense, was a non-factor. Got the ball in the first play of the game, took a hit, sort of fumbled it out of bounds, was off the field for a long time. Did come back later, but again, seven carries for 16 yards. He had the one target, which was ruled originally a fumble, then was ruled incomplete, but just a no-show, generally speaking. Now, on the whole, had a really nice season. We always joked about Miles Sanders saying, don't draft me, and we didn't, and then a lot of us were regretting that decision. Does one game undo everything he did during the season also keeping in mind that uh he's expected to hit free agency as well and may not be back in philadelphia how how do we feel about miles sanders now versus what we did maybe a month ago uh the super bowl doesn't change really anything for me it it was one game like you said where he kind of got banged up but what I just don't think I'm as high on Miles Sanders as others might be. I think he's a good running back. I think he's capable of having some really nice games. Like, if you look at his game log, especially early on, he had some really big blow-up games. But the final, including the playoffs, his final seven games, he topped 65 rushing yards once and never had over 100. So I'm wondering if he was starting to break down. Um, maybe the big workload was catching up to him, but also, like you said, he's going to hit free agency. It's going to be hard unless he comes back to Philly to see him in as, in as positive of an environment as he just played in. Like the Eagles had one of the best O line. They had the best rushing attack, I would say. And so much of that is because of Jalen Hurts in that offensive line. So you take him off of there and you put him on another team. To me, he's probably going to be an RB two. but the point that I think me and you, I know have definitely harped on already is like, Running back is going to look completely different next year because the more than half the league is is free agents. There's a bunch of people like Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, who could all be cap casualties and cut, and then they're joining the free agency class. And then there's a really deep draft class coming in as well. So um, with Philly having to make all the decisions that they have to make, I think they're going to let Miles Sanders walk, and obviously his fantasy value is going to greatly depend on where he lands but I don't, I don't foresee myself being super bullish on him in fantasy next year. He crushed so many career highs this year. When you look at total touches, uh, scrimmage yards, he was just over what his career high was as a rookie. 11 touchdowns when he'd never had more than six in a season. The 1,200 rushing yards when he'd never had more than 867 in a season. Those are going to be hard to match simply because wherever he goes, and I think even if he stays in Philly or if he goes somewhere else, I don't know that anybody's going to give him that level of opportunity again. And I think that's going to make it hard for him to sort of repeat what he did. I I do think that what we saw the first three years 
is probably more indicative of who Miles Sanders is and who he's going to be wherever he goes. Because we know this, running backs right now aren't getting paid really in free agency, especially not a guy who really has never proven that he can be a true workhorse back. And you talk about what he did at the end of the season. We saw a lot more Kenneth Gainwell getting opportunities as the year went on, as we got late into December, January, into the playoffs. There was more of an emphasis on Kenneth Gainwell getting opportunities and sort of de-emphasizing Miles Sanders. So I do think that's going to sort of play into it. I still think he's potentially a low-end RB2, depending on where he goes. We'll see what the offense is like, where he lands, wherever it is. But uh, the idea that Miles Sanders is going to somehow turn a corner and continue to be the guy that we saw for the first two-thirds of this season feels really hard to believe. But yeah, also, he's not as bad as what we saw in the, the Super Bowl either. So there's, like most things... <laughs> It's a gray area. There's a whole lot of in-between, despite, you know, what random Twitter arguments might have you believe about any random NFL players. Uh, We're not done with the Super Bowl. We're going to look back at some of our predictions. Spoiler alert, they stunk. (laughs) But we'll talk about that a little bit and uh, some other changes going on with the Philadelphia Eagles that could have a big impact come 2023. That's after the break here on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So on last week's show, we went and put together some predictions about what we thought was going to happen in Super Bowl 57. And maybe for our sake, it probably would have been better if those things just flew off into the ether. But all credit to Ryan Dennis, who was diligent and wrote down what we said so that we could come back and look at it. And um, yeah, I, I, I have a taste in my mouth and it is obviously bitter because we, we were pretty awful, Florio. Not good. <laughs> It was not good at all. So let's just go through these because it's it's fine. We can point and laugh at ourselves. It's all good. Um, I asked who the leading rusher was going to be in this game. Uh, you said it was going to be Jalen Hurts. I said it was going to be Miles Sanders. The actual answer was Isaiah Pacheco with 76 yards. You were significantly closer than I was. Jalen Hurts had the uh, Super Bowl record for a quarterback, 70 rushing yards for Jalen Hurts, meanwhile, Miles Sanders, as I mentioned earlier, 7 for 16. So kudos to you. You at least were yardage-wise, <laughs> at least in the ballpark with that one. If you told me the leader besides Hurts would have 76 and Hurts ran 15 times, I'd be like, oh, I'm easily crushing this one. So, I mean, I guess kudos to the Chiefs defense for keeping Hurts yeah. somewhat contained. Absolutely. So uh, that that one was was pretty bad for me. Let's see. Most receptions. This one was uh, bad for me. You said Jarek McKinnon, <laughs> who only had three catches for 15 yards. I had A.J. Brown, who at least had six catches for 96. The actual answer was Juju Smith-Schuster and Devonta Smith, who were tied with seven apiece. So Jarek McKinnon was not the pass-catching factor. They used him in a lot of other ways. I thought he was a good decoy. He was a lead blocker on, on an Isaiah Pacheco touchdown. 
But uh, yeah, he was not—he he was not a pass one. catcher at all this week. No, no, he could have scored a touchdown if he, you know, selfishly did not slide <laughs> at the one to allow his team to win a Super Bowl. He could have scored one, but uh, yeah, I thought for sure he'd be used more than he was, and he was on a milk carton for much of the game. It's funny too because if that had happened during the regular season, I'm sure people would have been howling on Twitter about how you know they had Jerry McKinnon as a flex option and he should have scored a touchdown and blah blah blah. I feel like in the Super Bowl, it was more like, a, hey, that was a really smart play. And good job, Jarek McKinnon. So The, the takeaway there. that I've seen is, uh, should we change the rule where if a player gives themselves up, the clock stops? And I, I don't hate that rule. Mm, that's interesting. I never thought about that. But that's interesting. So, like, that forces you either to decide you either score the touchdown or you got to run some more plays. Hmm. I'm, I'm willing to entertain that. I think that that's kind of a good one. Uh, I asked, will there be a defensive touchdown? We both said no, although we both said that if it happened, it would be the Eagles. <laughs> Wrong. There was a defensive touchdown, and it was not the Eagles. Nick Bolton had a scoop and score on a Jalen Hurts fumble, and for a moment, it looked like he was going to have a second one on a Miles Sanders, we thought, was originally called a fumble. They overturned that and called that an incompletion. I think even Bolton said, he's like, I knew that was incomplete, but I was going to play it out <laughs> just to see what happened. So big swing and a miss right there. Um, there. There will never be an easier defensive touchdown in the Super Bowl than the one that they scored too. Like probably Hurts not dropped it. Like it wasn't like he was he was hit or anything. He just dropped it. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Like you just the ball just slipped out of his hands. Uh, the the one that comes to mind for me is uh, Jack Squirek for the Oakland Raiders had an interception. Uh, on just a just a lazy sort of outpass by Joe Theismann in the Super Bowl back, I think Super Bowl 18, I think it was. And that was pretty easy, too, because I don't know what Theismann was looking at, but it, uh, <laughs> it, it was pretty easy. It was, it was a pretty quick and easy one. Um, we did ask, will Rihanna have more than two guests? This is the one we got right. It wasn't even about football. <laughs> we said no. <laughs> No, she did not have more than two guests. Do we count the baby bump as a guest? Uh, I think we can. And either way, the either way is still less than two. <laughs> I thought I thought with no guest and with her just doing straight songs, like I still thought she killed it. Oh, absolutely. No, I thought it was a great show. Uh, she had played a lot of the hits. Earlier on Super Bowl today during the week, Patrick Claiborne and I put together a set list that we thought was going to happen. I think we might have out of 10 songs nailed three. So uh, so not only am I not good at Super Bowl predictions, I, I can't predict a Rihanna set list she, either. She uh, she has so many songs that like there were songs that I was like, oh, I forgot this was even what like, you know, like, you yeah, just, you haven't heard them in a while. Yeah. In, in my defense, she did admit that she had like 39 versions of the set list before they finally settled on one. So, you know, I will wow. I'll chalk that up. Uh, who will be the Super Bowl MVP? We both said Jalen Hurts. It was Patrick Mahomes. And who wins Super Bowl 57? We both said the Eagles. And it was the Chiefs. So uh, we suck. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, we sort of sucked when it came to that. Oh, well. Uh, we'll regroup and we'll try again next year. Good thing we have we have I think we have decent fantasy advice, even if uh, our advice <laughs> and other things sort of sort of sucks. Um, want to end the show though with some more actual kind of football talk because I talked about the changes that are coming in Philadelphia, and they are losing both of their coordinators, offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, 
has been hired as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, well, he was just at State Farm Stadium in Glendale. He will call that home now because he is the Arizona Cardinals head coach. You talked about a little bit about you know, Jalen Hurts and uh, you know the backfield and, and what's going to happen next year. What immediate concerns, if any, do you have about this Eagles offense, knowing that one of the architects of it is going to be in Indianapolis next year? Yeah, that's a big one to me. I, I mean, the OC is huge. Even with someone like Sirianni, who has a offensive background, like the fact that you're losing your OC, I think always hurts. And then you add in, no pun intended there, and then I think uh, you add in the potential, like, they could lose multiple offensive linemen, and that was a key staple of their offense. So I still think for fantasy, Hertz will be fine. A.J. Brown will be fine. Devonta Smith will be fine. Um, but for them to be at the level they were this year, like if you're a Philly fan or something like that, or you're looking ahead to next season, this is a huge offseason for Philly on, on both sides of the ball because I believe it's 19 of their players are free agents. So that's a whole lot of them. 19 uh, altogether, 11 on defense. They're going to be a, probably a different look to this Eagles team next year. I, I think for the most part, I don't expect anything major to happen with the Eagles. I'm curious to see who does come in to take over the spot there. Um, you know, but I think this team is already set up in a good position. Uh, you know, they've got Hurts there. They've, you know, they've got two good receivers in A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. Uh, you know, having Dallas Goddard has been a big boost to the middle of the field there. So we'll see. I mean, there's talk that, uh, you know, Brian Johnson could end up taking over as the offensive coordinator. We'll see if that happens. I don't know. But that is going to be kind of an interesting storyline for the offseason. Meanwhile, Steichen going to Indianapolis. This is a team that, you know, they're not a bad team, at least on paper. They, they had a bad record last year at 4-12 and 1. What's the biggest priority you think for Steichen to kind of get this thing turned around next year? I, I think the gimme is the quarterback and they're going to have their pick of one of at least four of them in the first round, uh, potentially even moving up to number one overall. But I think getting Jonathan Taylor going again is just as big of a priority, if not bigger. Like Steichen, he's been an OC three years to uh, to the last two with Philly the year prior with the Chargers. All three was finished top 10 in rushing attempts. Uh, and he was in the top three each of the last two years in, in rushing attempts and top five in rushing yards and touchdowns. So as great as the Philly passing attack was this year, their identity still comes down to like they were the best. Good luck stopping the run when you need to stop the run against them. And even in the Super Bowl, we saw that like they're the best short yardage run team in the league. So I, I think you really need to get Jonathan Taylor going again. And, and that includes revamping this offensive line because... They went from being one of the very best to one of the very worst in an offseason. I think there's still talent here. I think you can you can rebuild it. Um, obviously, getting the quarterback is huge, but protecting the quarterback and, and, and being able to help the run game goes a long way for a rookie quarterback as well. Absolutely does. I think for them, the biggest thing has to just be stability at quarterback. They just need a guy that they feel like they can work with and develop over a couple of years. Because you look back, I mean, Frank Reich took over this team in the belief that they were going to have Andrew Luck long-term. He gets a Luck for one year, then Luck retires. In five seasons, Frank Reich had five different quarterbacks. And there's just no way to build continuity 
when you were doing that year after year, I mean, to go from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett as sort of a bridge option, Philip Rivers in his final year, Carson Wentz, which turned out to be sort of a disaster down the stretch, and then Matt Ryan, who fell apart and just looked every bit his age. Um, they've got to get somebody in there, preferably somebody young, that they feel like, okay, this is going to be our guy for the next at least three years and we can build with him and see what we have. That continuity, I think, is going to be important. And so that, I think, is going to be the, the chief uh, option for Steichen. But I think you're right. In the short term, getting Jonathan Taylor going again until you find that potential franchise quarterback is a big deal. I know they said they're going to try to throw the ball, but they're going to have to establish the run as well. So at least the coach speak part of it seems to be there for Steichen. We'll see whether or not he's able to put that together on the field. The Colts, as you mentioned, the number four overall pick. So they will have, you would think, some options at quarterback. and Maybe they do package some things and try to move up a spot or two. I mean, look, the Bears, I don't think they're drafting a quarterback at one. I think that number one pick is out there for the taking for somebody who can put together the right package. Meanwhile, Jonathan Gannon goes to Arizona. They have a guy they think can be a franchise quarterback. They've got a lot of resources tied up in Kyler Murray, who admittedly is, is rehabbing from an injury this offseason. I thought the belief was going to be that they had to bring somebody in that could re sort of reboot Kyler Murray. I know they thought Cliff Kingsbury was going to be the guy to maximize it. That never happened. The two of them butted heads. Cliff Kingsbury then decided to go off to Thailand to get his head straight. Uh, I joked he was going to be in season three of the White Lotus. But Jonathan Gannon, <laughs> not an offensive guy. What does this mean for Kyler Murray? I mean, does this mean they have to bring in a quarterback-centric OC to get him going? Because it doesn't seem like Gannon's going to be that guy. I think so. And I, I don't love this hire. And nothing against Gannon. Uh, oftentimes, at least in today's NFL, you want an offensive-minded head coach. It's very rare. I, I think the last like defensive one that worked out, we could say, is Sean McDermott. And that's going back six, seven years ago now at this point. So, um, and also Gannon's defense, they were great this year, but it took a huge step once they brought in a bunch of veterans who are like playing at an all pro level. This Cardinals defense is going to need to be completely rebuilt there. There's not a lot of talent on that side of the ball. And then I always get concerned with a defensive coach. Like, are they going to want to play to their strengths, which is the defense? So that means a lot more running the ball, a lot less chances. And when you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray, I want them to be out there taking chances, doing what he can do. Like, we joked a lot last season that the Cardinals' game plan was to let Cliff Kingsbury manage the show for three and a half quarters and then ask Kyler Murray to do wizardry-type things at the end of games to, to kind of drag them back. And that's a strategy that's very, very hard to do. So I would have liked an offensive-minded coach here, but... I think this is going to be a huge offseason for the Cardinals. Like, I think D-Hop is gone. James Conner could easily be gone. Marquise Brown's on the last deal, the last year of his contract, I believe. So, uh, I think just on both sides of the ball, like, they're entering a rebuild, which is also why, I mean, I know we're, we're not anticipating Kyler Murray being back early in the season, but it wouldn't surprise me if Kyler misses a large chunk of next season just because... This is clearly a rebuilding team. I think they're going to be having their eyes towards the future in their draft stock and stuff like that. I don't see why they would rush Kyler Murray back from, from his severe injury. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. When you look at the rest of the division, especially, 
Uh, and and you know, Ryan makes a good point. Ryan Dennis makes a good point that uh, they gave Gannon a five-year deal. So they are willing to be patient. They're willing to let him sort of build this thing. And unless he is just completely awful in the first couple of years, I mean, you know, Urban Meyer level bad, uh, <laughs> I don't think you know, they're, they're going to cut ties with him early on. Because you look at that division, right? The Niners are still going to be very good. The Seahawks. Uh, had a very good year, and they look like they potentially could be improving this offseason. I don't think the Rams are as bad as they played last year. I think if they can keep, keep some people healthy, I think you're going to see them at least be better. Maybe, you know, I don't know if they're a contending team, but I don't think they're a 5-12 and 12 team either. So that does leave you in Arizona sort of in a situation where maybe you do kind of pause and, and try to begin a rebuild, get Kyler healthy, make sure you, you kind of build around him and see what you can do a couple years from now. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, but it was a, a hire that kind of struck me as weird just because it didn't seem to fit what the priorities of the franchise are right now. But we will see how they decide to handle the offseason. And uh, we'll talk about that and plenty more uh, as the offseason begins. Um. So next week, we also start the Florio Film Festival. Uh, I know you mentioned you're in the new place now. Do you have the apparatus set up, whether it's your streaming services, your Xbox, whatever, so you can watch Terminator 2 Judgment Day? We can talk yep. about it next week. Yep. I was I was going to watch it last night, but then you everyone kind of agreed we should hold off a week, and I was like, that works even better for me. I, I almost watched it two nights ago, and then I realized I didn't have the Xbox, and by the time I found that and my wires and everything... I was like, I don't feel like watching a movie right now, but <laughs> I will have it watched by next Wednesday and be very, very excited to talk about it. I will also say that our our pal, uh, Patrick Claybon, has asked if he could come in and be a part of this segment, at least for Terminator 2, because as far as I know, he is our resident T2 expert. When it comes to all <laughs> things Terminator 2 Judgment Day, I trust Patrick Claybon, so he has requested uh, jumping in. So I, I I feel like we should invite him in, and he can talk about T2 with us next week. He is welcome to talk about every movie we watch and every – like, I, I I love Patrick. If he wants to join us every single week, have at it. Come on. Could that talk might football be the thing. with us, too. He can come in and talk football with us, and then he can stick around and talk 90s action movies with us because that is going to be, I think, entertaining. So uh, we will do our best. To make that happen uh, starting next week. So, yeah, good. Come on back next week. Florio's Film Festival starts. We'll, of course, we'll talk some fantasy football and the whole like. Uh, but we're going to talk some movies because it's the offseason. And we can do that because we got extra time to do. So, uh, right now, though, I think this is a pretty good spot to pull the shoot on this episode. So, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Hopefully, you enjoyed the Super Bowl. I know we did. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode of the show. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. For Mike, I am Marcus. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. And we'll talk to you again real soon. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. 
So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.